like I said, my parents and grandparents, they're the heroes and role models of my life, not just because they merely survived, but they came to this country, they built a life around Judaism, around family and love of Eretz Israel. This is Brian Geister, and I want to express my gratitude for you tuning in to Holocaust Survivor Next Generation Podcast. My podcast series capturing some of the most enduring stories in history around adversity, perseverance, hard work, entrepreneurship, and generosity that truly have never been shared from the first generation, or maybe better said, the second generation of Holocaust survivors around the world. As a third generation family member whose grandparents were both Holocaust survivors from Poland and Austria, the values that were passed down to me from my father around work ethic, integrity, supporting the Jewish community, and overcoming all odds have shaped the way that I see the world and hopefully my opportunity to make a positive impact. Mark, I couldn't be more pleased and honored to be with you on the podcast today to share a little bit and introduce Mark. He's currently the chair of the JFNA Jewish Federation of North America Board of Trustees, an attorney and partner at Garden Homes, a real estate development firm, and just a role model to so many. Uh, Mark is also the owner and president of the NFL's Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Mark graduated from Princeton University and then received his law degree from NYU School of Law. As a child of Holocaust survivors, Mark has long been involved in efforts locally, nationally, and globally to ensure the welfare and vitality of the Jewish community. Most recently, Mark chaired a campaign really supporting an initiative to fund the large percentage of Holocaust survivors who currently live in poverty that are still with us today. Mark is married to his wife, Jane, and has four wonderful children, and Stephen, Rachel, Daniel, and Andrew. With that being said, Mark, it's such a privilege to have you here with us. Thank you so much. Ryan, thanks so much for having me on, and thank you for what you're doing to really tell the stories of families of Holocaust survivors. I think it's very important you're doing that, so call a vote to you. Thank you. It's really, it's really my privilege. So to that end, tell us a little bit about your family in Europe prior to World War II. It's interesting you're asking that because I know a lot about what happened during World War II. I know the life before was a, a, a normal Jewish life in Europe. And I think if you go to the Yad Vashem's or the places that tell the story, there was such a vibrant Jewish life before the war. So uh, I don't know too much of the particulars of my own family. I do know that there was a large extended family, many of them, of course, that perished in the war. But um, the few pictures that we have of those, those moments are very much part of our history. And again, it was I even found when I went back there that there's many elements that were not too dissimilar than how we grew up. So uh, my mother grew up in a, in a big city of Lvov, Poland, and and they had a lumber business, and they were, they were doing okay. And my father was in a smaller village in Yaroslav, Poland, and his family also, they had a shoe store. They were business people, merchants, and were living a normal European Jewish life before everything happened. Obviously, in Poland, before the war, walk us through their experience in World War II, both of your parents and any other family members. Well, it's obviously a long and uh, multi-stop journey for both of them. My father, uh, like I said, grew up in the small town of Yaroslav, Poland. And uh, he, his brother, and his parents, my grandparents, were in part of the uh, part of Poland that was between Germany and Russia. And when they had the treaty, they split up Poland. And for the two, two years, 39 to 41, 
they were booted out of their homes and went out eventually to, to Russia. And that was a tremendous calamity for them at the time, they, they so believed. And uh, my aunt, uh, my father's sister, actually stayed behind and she ultimately perished in Warsaw. And my father, uncle, and grandparents were in Russia during the war and they were never under German-occupied territory. Um, they were in a Siberian labor camp and then they lived out much of the war in a part halfway between Japan and Germany that was as far from the uh, ongoing war as possible not far from Alma-Ata in, in one of the Russian provinces. So my father never really considered himself a survivor, though he was, but he did not uh, ever have to be in camps or, you know, he had a very tough existence in the war, but not compared to others. Uh, my mother, on the other hand, uh, like I said before, she grew up in the city of Lvov, Poland. Out of 180,000 Jews in Lvov, Poland, uh, my mother's immediate nuclear family all survived, and that was one of a handful out of that many that survived. Uh, how they survived, they were placed into the Lvov ghetto. Uh, my grandmother, one of the heroes of my life, she lived to 97, uh, came to America, but she really rescued the family. Uh, she had Christian papers, and she, along with my mother and uncle, who were small children at the time, they escaped the ghetto and worked with those Christian papers as, a, as Polish farm workers on a farm. Uh, the, woman, the woman who owned the farm did not know they were Jewish and most likely would have turned them into the Germans if she knew that. My grandfather also escaped the ghetto with my grandmother, but he did not have those papers. And uh, my, my grandmother, my Baba Miriam, worked on that farm, and my grandfather was hidden in the floorboards of the barn on that farm for uh, two years. And uh, every day, bringing him food at night and uh, trying to survive every day, never knowing if the next day would come. So my mother was a young girl at the time. Uh, thank God she's still alive. My father passed a little over four years ago. Thank God they survived. But it was a very, for my mother, it was a very harrowing time. And, uh, but thankfully, she survived. Well, I can only imagine how proud your dad must be, Mark, looking down today at everything you and the entire family continue to do to make a difference in the world. Can you, can you share a little bit how your parents met and then the, you know, how they ultimately kind of acclimated and immigrating to the U.S. and what that looked like? Well, uh, my parents met in Germany, in Augsburg, Germany, after the war. My mother was in a DP camp. My father was... Uh, already in business, so to speak, uh, after the war, and uh, they met there. Uh, they were married in 1949, and in 1950, they emigrated to the United States. And the city of Birmingham, Alabama, via the highest uh, organization, they were sponsored there, and they went to Birmingham, Alabama in 1950. But they met in Germany. Uh, my oldest brother, in fact, was born there. And, um, but my parents were very much uh, straight arrow towards the, the golden Medina of the United States, and that's where they wanted to go. They, of course, were very Zionistic growing up around that in youth camps in, in Poland. My father and uncle were very Zionistic, but they came to America, and they wanted to make a better life for their family and a new, and a new life. So uh, that's how they met, and that's how they came here. So I'm fascinated because, you know, in advance of our, um, having you on the podcast, I read a little bit about not only your background and the family background. Walk us through just growing up in New Jersey, how Sadaka and giving back played such a role within your family. While I can imagine your parents were working so hard to make a living after World War II. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, that's exactly what it was like. I mean, the big thing I always grew up was always in the water for us was the only difference between then and now. 
Uh, they did not have anyone in the world that cared about them as far as taking care of them. There was no state of Israel to protect them. And so the Zionistic uh, uh, fervor and passion was really strong. And like I said, my parents and grandparents, they're the heroes and role models of my life, not just because they merely survived, but they came to this country. They built a life around Judaism, around family and love of Eretz Israel. And I remember this thing that my father was so engaged. My parents both engaged in communal life. Uh, my father was so engaged in federation, among many other things, educational institutions, Holocaust remembrance. So while they were busy building a business, my dad was in the car business initially, then eventually went over to the real estate business, started building homes. We're in our seventh decade now as a, as a real estate company, third in our fourth generation. So they were working hard and making up for lost time in a sense. They always made sure to make time for building community. We're very proud of the fact we, we do build in Israel. We have a business in Israel, but on the philanthropic side, they had great foresight, my father and uncle, and really set an example. And I remember even as a young boy going to Super Sundays with my dad and making phone calls and like you are on the National Leadership Cabinet in your 30s, and I did that as well. So as much as they gave that great example, uh, I've been fortunate to live and get, get that engagement from my peers as well. So they were a great example to follow and one I'm very proud of a legacy to build on. You know, I had read something in advance that your family was almost clairvoyant or forward thinking and setting up a foundation many, many, many years ago before it w it's become as common as it is today and the deep involvement both in the U.S. and overseas back to the 50s and 60s. Well, it's, it's very interesting. So our, our family foundation was established in 1964 and they were only in this country a little over 10 years but they knew, I mean, partly it was because of the philanthropic passion they had, but also I think in speaking to my dad in later years, it's just, it was also a vehicle to connect next generations within our own family to the kind of uh, values and philosophies of our family and what they wanted to pass down. So that's connecting to Jewish giving, uh, making sure Jewish community is strong and making sure the state of Israel uh, is taken care of as well. So uh, that was the vehicle, and they did have a lot of vision. And not it wasn't as common then as it is now, but they did that, and it's a legacy we're very proud of as well. Fast forward to your professional career. Just tell us a little bit about that journey that that you've been on, accomplishing so much. I'd love to, you know, as you kind of think about it, walk us through your professional journey and kind of what are the big takeaways today for you? We're in a family business, like I said, and. Uh, I know I have support at home for my wife, Jane, and our four kids, and uh, my brother and cousin and other members of our family participated. And for me, the journey, it's been uh, our family started in home building, uh, eventually uh, developing and building apartments, primarily in the Northeast and Northern New Jersey initially. Now we're in California and Israel and all over the world. It was, it's a project by project enterprise. Many of the people that were, were and still are our partners, many of them Holocaust survivors that came to New Jersey region, and there's an innate trust and handshake kind of operation that they that they started the business in, and we try to follow as best we can, making sure we work with the right people, and we, we built up a sizable business, and it's been uh, very fulfilling from that standpoint. So that's where the real estate business came, how the football business evolved out of the real estate. Part of coming to this country, being part of the American culture, there was something our parents were very much engaged in, and... Uh, my dad was uh, one of our earliest partners, was a former college football player and uh, someone who uh, was a big football fan and 
my dad and uh, my uncle and, and my cousins and my brother, we all brothers, we went always to New York Giants football games. That was our family bonding experience from the time I was born and even before into the 50s. So we went to the Giant games. That was our bonding experience. And uh, loving football and being part of it was uh, always very exciting, even in the down years. So it was always kind of a dream and tucked away in the back of our head that maybe we could somehow be involved in sports some way uh, on the business side. And it worked out. On a different note, shifting from business back to philanthropic, you were involved in several causes, so many, but several in such a significant way, including being the chair of the Board of Trustees for the Jewish Federation of North America that are making such a, a meaningful difference in the world. One that's particularly relevant to our discussion is the work that you're doing supporting Holocaust survivors living in poverty. Tell us more about the work being done and how others listening can help. Well, I would, I would urge everyone that's listening that survivors to this day, they're close to 100,000 still living in the United States and North America, and we need to take care of them. They're, they're really incredible teachers and examples for us. Like I said, the same way for my family not just survivors, but their teachers and they, their values are being passed. So we need to make sure they're taken care of. I think it's our obligation in the United States. It's our obligation as a Jewish community. And believe it or not, there's a third of the Holocaust survivor population that lives at or below the poverty line. And that's a shame that we can't have happen. So I urge anyone who's listening to please make sure to give to your local federation, make sure their human services are taken care of. They're particularly vulnerable to some of the realities of coming elderly and uh, the, the needs are only growing and we have to make sure in their remaining years they live out their years with the dignity they deserve. So, you know, I'm also very proud that the United States government has participated in the campaign. Tens of millions of dollars have come from the United States government to partner with our own campaigns. And we've raised over $60 million for Holocaust survivors in these past few years to help, like I said, help them live out their remaining years in dignity. So, Mark, of, of everything that you have accomplished professionally and in giving back to the community, when you take a step back, what do you kind of take the most pride in? Um, that's a great question. I think I'm certainly prideful of my work with the Federation system. I still am a big believer that because we have a collective, that we do things together, that's when we're most effective. And Federation really stands for the community and together. We've been in parts of the most historic moments in our generations, whether it's the building of the State of Israel, founding, uh, the Six-Day War, the Operation Exodus, bringing a million immigrants from Russia to Israel and the United States. So all of those uh, historic moments, to the extent that myself, my family, and all of us involved in community I've had a small part to share as something we're proud of. And just this past six months, what we've dealt with with the COVID pandemic, I'm super proud of the fact that our Jewish federations have been on the front lines of our communities. We've literally saved so many lives, provided comfort and care, those that have been affected directly by COVID or indirectly by what's going on economically, what's going on in our society. And the fact is, our infrastructure, our ability to work and turn on a dime effectively has allowed federations to be so effective. I'll give you one example. When the COVID happened, um, these PPP loans that so many have heard about, you know, the federations had the relationships in the federal government to make sure that the SBA loans would make sure that for the first time in U.S. history would be available to nonprofits. And I'm proud to say that half a billion dollars, $500 million of, of assistance has gone to thousands of Jewish institutions and in many cases have kept them from really folding or being in serious trouble so, and to get through these times. So 
That's just one example. And never mind all the personal protective equipment we get to our nursing homes and so many other ways that we've been able to touch people's lives. And I know another thing I'm proud of is just on a personal level that my wife, Jane, and I and our four children during Pesach, we were able to deliver food packages from the community to people, many of them Holocaust survivors that couldn't get out of the house or couldn't really see even many people in their own family. So those are the little things and the big things that make me feel very proud that we're part of something larger than ourselves and we can really make a difference. Mark, it has been such a privilege to have you on the podcast today, to have an opportunity to learn from you, to understand more about the background of your family, the history. One last question for you. When you think about everything you learned from your parents, what, are the, what were the values that were passed down to you that have really helped you and helped shape who you are and the, the success and the integrity that you operate in and the impact that you make in our communities every single day? Is there something you kind of go back to and say, hey, this is what I was taught at a really young age, or here's this example that really played a meaningful role in my own development in growing up? Well, like I said, I was around philanthropic family. And uh, first on a personal level, uh, to make sure our family stays close. And we all have different uh, ways we go about things, but we make sure we stay together as a family. That's something very important. And often you see in many families, that's a challenge. But for what they went through, the perspective of how close they were, the example that they were just always looking ahead, being optimistic, and after what they went through, to be so forcefully optimistic and driving forward and taking care of others less fortunate. That's an example that's in my blood and I'll never never be able to forget. It's part of who I am. And I think, uh, like I said, whether it's Federation or whether it's Holocaust, remember, whether it's education, we've been very fortunate, myself personally and as a family. And but with that privilege, and many people I speak to, are, we're all as a society so privileged. We have a responsibility to give back and take, take care of each other that are less fortunate. So that's the legacy that they've left. And of course, building a strong state of Israel to make sure something that would happen to them can never happen again. And, and you just even read in the news lately, just the astounding, shocking, and, and really it can be disheartening to see the lack of awareness of the Holocaust in American society. And we have to keep educating, keep teaching, and also keep taking care of each other and being strong. So those are composite of their example and how we're trying to apply it to today. Well, Mark, thank you for visiting with me. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for being a role model to so many of us to say, hey, we, we want to be able to make a greater difference tomorrow than we do today in, in what we do. And you're somebody that inspires so many of us in that capacity. So. Thank you again. It's been a privilege to be with you here on the podcast. Well, well, thanks, Brian. And, and again, when I speak to someone as yourself, a young person who's engaged, uh, active in Young Leadership Cabinet and, and so many other things, that gives everyone energy that know. And I, I see it all over the place. There's a lot of engagement from our what I call next generations. So uh, we need to be hopeful about the future and uh, Looking forward to get to the other side of all the service we're going through together and uh, looking forward to a bright future. But thank you, Brian, for having me. Thank you. This is Brian Geister. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I'll be back next time with another story featuring an incredible philanthropist who's overcome all kinds of adversity and the horrors of the Holocaust 
coming to North America and building an incredible company. Thank you so much and hope to see you again soon.